Welcome to the official podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel Indy West. Our desire is to make authentic disciples of Christ who worship Him, walk with Him, and work for Him. You can find more information about Harvest by visiting our website at www.harvestindywest.org or by downloading our app from your app store. We pray today's podcast will encourage your pursuit of Jesus Christ. Well, Harvest, uh, it is... uh... very kind and uh, very overwhelming. Um, Never in my life have I ever felt like the Clampets um, (laughs) coming out of uh, two of us together, good part of that time in our camper, coming back to the big city. And uh, so bear with us if we're a little bit uh, socially awkward. (laughs) And uh, yeah, the beard. Um, It is good to be back with you. Um, some of you don't even know who we are, and, uh, and I rejoice in that, absolutely rejoice in all that. And uh, normally, I just want for all of us to know, and especially those who are newer, um, normally this is the time I'd open God's Word and we just dive in right away, but because we've been gone for three months, we actually want to take a little bit of time and share some of uh, kind of our time uh, away. We have, we have 3,000 pictures, so I think <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll be all right staying for a couple hours, right? But First Thessalonians says, we loved you so much, we're delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So if you will, maybe a little bit of our lives over the time here, and then we're going to uh, kind of have some uh, mini time in God's word here in a little bit. Uh, we've been away for three months, and uh, just a little bit about our travels and uh, what God has done. Uh, those are, seem to be the two questions so far as we've been home for about a week now. Uh, people are asking, so we're going to do that. Plus, this just allows me to get my legs back under me, preaching legs, so uh, it's going to take me a little bit. Uh, so, I'm sorry, I'm already off here. Um, our sabbatical structure was structured around three objectives and locations um, to reflect in the Lord. You can see on the map here where we were at to reflect in the Lord, his work, including his work in our lives, and then um, to rest in the Lord and to learn what it is to rest, and, uh, or at least grow in learning what it is to rest. And then the third part was to refuel and to get ready to come back for the coming eight, 10 years that we have of vocational ministry uh, left in us. And so uh, it all began Sunday afternoon, August 5th. Yep, we got in the camper, is it up there? Yep, so there we were, and we started driving west, and we spent the first month, leg number one was camping. We started at Estes Park, we were there for a week, then we went to Grand Mesa, is that not the most beautiful campsite you've ever seen. We actually had electric for a week there. That was really nice. (laughs) Then we had to move sites and we didn't have electric, but anyway. And then we went, this is in Northern California. We were the only people in that campground for about five nights and then Labor Day came and it was packed. But we had a great time uh, camping and just reflecting on who the Lord is and what he's done in, in our lives growing up and being here with all of you and what he's done in this church. And it was, it was a wonderful time. It was a great way to start. 
just kind of disconnect from everything. We had no self-service, we had no internet, we had no water, we had no electricity. So I, we disconnected I siphoned big water time. into yeah. the camper. So we now it's really like we're still home. getting used to, you take a shower and the water keeps coming. We were taking 20-minute showers <laughs> because it was like a, like, what's a military shower? Turn it on, get yep. wet, turn it off. Turn it on, get wet. Anyway, you don't need to know any more about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so then leg number two was we got to go to Kauai. This was a precious gift from my parents. I just want you to know, you did not pay for this. Um, my family didn't. I'm sorry. We're going to cry this whole time, so that's okay. Um, we had a wonderful, I mean, how can you not relish in who God is when you're in something as beautiful as that? So we were there for a month, had a wonderful time learning to rest, um, which isn't hard to do when you're on the beach. Um, <laughs> I love the beach. Doug's learning to enjoy the beach. But uh, we had a great time just resting in the Lord. And then leg three, um, we were in Lake Tahoe. I mean, y'all want to go with us next time, don't you? <laughs> yes, the, it was gorgeous. And um, we, we do love the mountains. I think we're mountain people and uh, had an amazing time there. And this was sort of our time to start refueling, starting to turn our minds back towards ministry and what does the Lord want us to do when we come back? What does the next season of life and of ministry look like? And that's, we got to sit in that and think and pray and ponder and come before the Lord with that. If someone were to ask, uh, so on your time, what's kind of the nerdiest, dorkiest things you did, uh, we would be able to answer that. And uh, we are prepared to do that here. So first, we completed a puzzle in each location. Nerdy? Absolutely. Now that, you know me, um, getting ready to, to, while we were camping, getting ready to leave. The one in the, in the center screen was a 2,000-piece puzzle that uh, we did in our little condo in Hawaii. And the last one had nothing to do with Tahoe other than it was there, and we did it. And uh, so that was kind of our nerdy thing. Uh, one other thing I'll add is that we, uh, we watched five seasons of the... Great British Baking Show. <laughs> if you have and not like discovered <laughs> the Great British Baking Show, you must. It's on Netflix. You're going to want to bake everything now. Yeah. So, Ready? Bake! Bake! Ready? Yeah, they do such silly things. So, but if you want to see what a true nerd looks like trying to learn to surf... Watch this. Okay, there he is. Okay, keep watching. Okay. Keep, keep watching. Waiting. Keep Just waiting. keep watching. It's coming. Victory. <laughs> he forgot he was hitched to his surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> that blasted rope. <laughs> that was a good one-foot wave there, baby. That was, 
Ag- total victory. The agony of defeat. Agony of defeat. Y'all remember that show? That was humbling. Thrill of victory, the agony of so, defeat. Uh, so that was ner- some nerdiness on the table and some fun for us in our time. Maybe a, a little bit more serious uh, kind of babe for you. What, what's a few things or a thing that kind of at this point, we're still processing by the way, but just uh, kind of the Lord was at work in you during our time. Yeah. Um, about halfway through when we were in Kauai, actually that was about midpoint, um, I was reading through the Psalms and I got to Psalm 23 and it says, you know Psalm 23, we could all quote it out loud. But the one phrase that it just leaped off the page, and it says, he restores my soul. And I think up to that point, I, I, I knew my soul desperately needed to be restored. But I think I was approaching it as, okay, what am I going to read? What am I going to do? What am I not going to do so that my soul will get restored? Right? Isn't that what we do? We think we have to do it. And God just pierced my heart with that. And he said, no, I will restore your soul. I, he will do it. It's nothing I could do. You know, some of us like to restore old furniture or old cars or whatever. And that piece of furniture, that car can't restore itself. Somebody else has to come in from the outside and sand it and paint it and do whatever you do to restore it, but it can't restore itself. And that just lifted a burden from me that God was going to restore my soul. I didn't have to fret about it. I didn't need to do something to make that happen, but I did need to invite him to do it and say, okay, Lord, here I am. Do whatever you need to do, however you need to do it, in whatever way you need to do it, and I'm going to trust that you will restore my soul. And then it's amazing as you read through scripture, that theme is, I mean, that whole psalm, he leads me beside still waters. He brings me to the green pastures. It's all what the Lord does. He will work in you to will and to want. So what about you? What was some... Well, I'll just add with that, uh, that I can tell you for sure, because honestly, we just left absolutely exhausted like we've never been exhausted in our life. And uh, when we returned... I can say that, next slide, (laughs) life was restored for her, and just as her husband watching that, it's been a delight to be able to see that, and um, um, so we're ready. A few ways for me, Um, outside of kind of our rest and our, our reflecting and our rest and our refueling. I personally had, I, you know, hadn't told Karen about it when we left, but when I was younger, uh, I had learned Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He increased mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. And so I kind of had, uh, seeing how he was blowing me away, um, I kind of had these four objectives uh, personally that I wanted to accomplish, so just quickly go through them mentally. Um, I read like I've never read in my life. Um, I do a lot of reading for what I do with sermon prep and so forth, but this was the first month, that was the second month, that was the third month of reading for me. And if you'll see, and if you know books, and I don't know non-career like books, but uh, I actually read some novels. Uh, straight up, I have read one novel in my entire life 
up until this time, and I had to read that because it was part of my doctoral classes. And um, for me, looking at a page, the ne never came off. It was just words on a page. Mrs. Denny in fourth and fifth grade, bless her heart, she tried to get me to read and enjoy it, and I was always like, I'd rather play recess and let's wait for the movie. And uh, so I actually did that, but just reading that was specifically oriented to each of the times, reflecting times, to be able to uh, catch what's going on uh, with them. Actually, over on this side, this is the side with just going back and reflecting on other men and women of history and uh, how God has worked through them. And then in the center, more just that whole area of resting, what it means to rest, what it looks like to rest, and then getting ready for the coming year. So that was kind of my mental goal is to read like I've never read before. Physical goal was not the surfing thing. Um, but I actually wanted to compete, complete a, a 5K run. And for me, before I left, if you follow me on Twitter, at one point I had tweeted, I ran a quarter mile in our neighborhood and thought I was gonna die. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, the old guy's gotta do some work here. And so that was kind of a goal of mine. And uh, so I ran a 5K in Tahoe at 6,500 foot altitude on a 37 degree day and uh, I, Walked a little bit, I gotta <laughs> admit, okay? But uh, I was pretty pleased about that. The physical goal, spiritual goal. I think here you'll see just the sunrise in Kauai. This is just kind of around the corner from where we were staying. And for me spiritually, I will just say it was a time, I just simply wanted to be present where we were at and with the Lord. You were doing abiding series in small groups. I wanted to do that. I wanted to abide in the Lord in just the time and the place with where we were at and just savor who God is and what God has done. And frankly, just like Karen's saying, if you will, not force God, but let God do a work in me. And over the coming weeks, I'll be sharing a little bit of that. You'll see some of that coming out um, with some things. But it was just a blessing to get away from kind of career ministry, noise, responsibilities, um, it was, it was a blessing. Socially, I just wanted a lot of time with her. Um, these last 10 years of planting and building and organizing and finishing my doctorate has just been exhausting on both of us. And um, we just wanted to be together, and we needed that. And um, some who are gutsy have asked, did you guys actually get along? <laughs> Three months, just the two of you? We actually had a blast. We had a blast. So um, then we returned home, and uh, we're with you, and we want to say thank you. Thank you beyond what words can communicate. Um, it's a gift that is a stunning gift, and some people, even while we were traveling, and it's like, so what are you doing? And we'd be able to tell them, kind of didn't get it. And I understand that Karen's dad was a pastor for 31 years, and uh, many of you understand weights of life, and all of you understand weights of life, but I will tell you, healthy churches need healthy leaders. And this is a strategic time for us to regroup, re-energize and to uh, get refueled for the coming years. So thank you.
Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, once you say that. So uh, open your Bibles to Isaiah 55, and if I could, I didn't say this earlier. It's just kind of a bit of summary. Sorry if you're new. It's like, whoa, these guys cry. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Drives me nuts. Um, but uh, I, I, that's kind of sharing. Could I just maybe, maybe there's, would there be like two, three, four of you that just like two sentences. Hey, God was, uh, Pastor Doug and Karen, uh, God was at work here in I don't know, maybe it was on a Sunday or maybe it was in small group or not go into telling what it's all about, okay? I'm really risking it here. Uh, but what's just uh, maybe a couple of you would just say, man, Pastor Doug, God was at work while you were gone in. Anybody? Go ahead. Yep. Pastor Luther's message last week, just encouragement and help. Amen. Oh. You know, someone told me, said, I am stunned by the deep bench that you have here. And spot on. Amen, Stu. And by the way, dilly dilly to your card. Was that? It's five Sundays in First John. We, we've listened to all but a couple of, while we've been gone. Any, anybody else? Just one more thing. Yeah. small group has just been a key part in a, a help and a care. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, let's see if I can remember how to do this. Isaiah 55. Um, before we left, we spent uh, that Sunday in the first three verses of Isaiah 55. Uh, those three verses were very important to Karen and I, especially verse 3, on our time away. And if I were uh, teaching through the book of Isaiah, I would definitely be approaching some of this differently. I'm just getting very pragmatic, very practical kind of principles of what, who God is here. And I want to build on that just a little bit today and some time because I want to tell you even kind of what I'm looking for the next three years on having us do on Sundays or on the weekends uh, in ministry here and kind of give you some insight on that. Uh, but I would like to begin by Isaiah 55, read verses one through three. Got it open? By the way, we're big about the Bible around here, and someone reminded me that when I walked in right before we started and I left my Bible in the office. We're big about the Bible around here. Come, everyone who thirsts, come. Come, everyone who thirsts, come. Come to the waters, he, she, who has no money, come. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for the, that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear. Come to me. Hear that your soul may what? 
And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Friends, what an invitation from the Lord. The Lord clearly is speaking to his, his, his people, Israel here, and yet when you follow this through the scriptures, you come to see that God is giving this invitation all the time. God is an inviting God. Do you know that? God is not a standoff God. God is not a stay away far from me God. God is not a you annoy the living life out of me God. God is an invitating, invi- see, I can't even talk. An inviting God. God is a come close. God is open. Come, come, come. In an angry world, that's a wonderful set of good news. Our God is an inviting God. And the invitation is to come and eat. It's a come and drink invitation. It's a come to me invitation to God. It is an invitation to come and abide with. That is our God. And I am so glad that's the case. Because friends, I will just tell you in some of my reading and even reading in the about some of the different views in life. There's so many views that come out that God is just an angry God and a standoff God. But for loved ones, he loves you. Revelation 1. By the way, set a little context here, just a note of that. Isaiah 53, it includes very familiar statements. Verse 4, he who has borne our griefs, who is smitted and afflicted. Verse 5, he who is pierced for our transgression, crushed for our iniquities. Verse 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. Maybe you've heard that one. We have turned everyone to his or her own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Verse seven, like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. This is prophecy that one is coming, the one of Genesis three, the one that would lay a lethal blow to Satan, that one is coming one day. And that one is going to go and give his life up on the cross. Why is that a big deal? Hang with me. Then chapter 54 of Isaiah. God is pictured as a faithful husband wanting to bring back, inviting back his unfaithful wife. Then we come into chapter 55 and the invitation is there, come. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Listen, friends, uh, the price for sin was paid by the lamb. That's why you and I can come without money and without price. The price for the meal with has already been paid. Isaiah 53. And it carries this, this desire that it, 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 Isaiah 53, the, the one would pay the price in Isaiah 54. The Lord desires relationship with his unfaithful bride. And we see that all the way through into Revelation at the marriage supper of the Lamb. God is talking to a particular here and yet it has an application far beyond. This is the heart of who God is. And then Isaiah 55, come everyone who thirsts, that your soul may live. 
Why is it without money or without price? Because chapter 53, the meal price has been paid. Eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Friends, this is no fast food meal the Lord's talking about. This is no Ritz crackers and a stick of cheese tossed out. He's talking about come to the king's table and eat with. I think sometimes we can get stuck in thinking maybe that the Christian life is a bit drab and dull with a God who's far and distant. But that's not true. Relationship with the Lord is, is an invitation to come to the table and eat with. And it's awesome food. St. Elmo's and Ruth's Chris got nothing on this meal. It's a million star Michelin chef. That comes from my British baking experience. But it's something I want to add in this whole text. Two things, actually. A divine promise and a divine directive. First, a divine promise to know. Look at the uh, end of verse 3. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Now, God is clearly talking about establishing a covenant with his people, Israel, here. And yet, let me just go from beginning to end. I don't have the time to build it all the way up, but I'm just telling you from beginning to end, if I could state it this way, one of the things we can learn about the character of who God is, is God is a covenant relationship-making God. That is a big deal, friends. I don't think we really understand covenant relationship that well in our culture. People are pretty disposable nowadays. But God is a covenant-making relationship. God, God covenants himself. This is not just the only the kind of thing where it's like, come, come and eat and enjoy you know, my palace and I'm gonna be far off somewhere else. No, no, it carries the idea from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, this idea that God is a covenant relationship establishing God. God commits himself to you when you commit yourself to him. Hey, if there's come a time in your life where you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've come to understand that you're a sinner separated from God, and, and yet only through the work of Christ by receiving that. Hey, Pastor Cody talked about this out of 1 John. And in this, that you can come into relationship with him by receiving that gift, by coming to a covenant commitment to him, and he covenant himself back. If you struggle with the idea that God could put up with you, you need this. You need to hear this, because I understand that sometimes you're wondering, God, aren't you just tired and sick of me? And God's like, I will never leave you or never forsake you. No, Doug, you don't understand what I've done in my life. No, you're right. I don't fully understand what you've done in your life. But I do know this, what he has said. And he has said to those who have come to him, he has committed himself to you. 
And even if you are the prodigal child running off, the father is still open-armed. He has not removed himself from you. And in fact, when the son comes back, the father is not like, about time, loser. He, the father, is running after the child coming back. He never did not become his father. They are just now back in a true father-son relationship that had already been established. Loved ones, God loves you. And if you know him as your savior, he has covenanted himself to you. Bam! In fact, verse four and five, what is this sure love for David? Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Let me just cut to the chase of it. Do you know that David was a real loser at times? David committed adultery and murdered. David was... Oh yeah, like me and you. And yet here in this statement, what God is helping his people to understand is is that I will make an everlasting covenant for you, and let me put some flesh to you on that. It's kind of like my covenant with David. In fact, it's exactly like my covenant with David. Yeah, David had some issues, but know this. I covenanted myself to him. And like the everlasting covenant that God has with David, God desires a relationship with you and me out of that similar kind of desire. Isn't that cool? Like this would like be a really good time, like jump up and down and shout. But we're not there yet. By the way, do you ever feel like God may have committed more of himself to someone else? Maybe like they got the better end of the deal. I kind of got the short stick on the draw. Why am I not getting it? Why am I not seeing it? Why am I not feeling it like them? Why am I kind of the island of misfits in the, at the table? I'm clearly at the table off in the corner. I understand thinking that and I understand feeling that. But you need to hear from God's word that even though we think that and feel that sometimes, and maybe that's how we would do it if we were God, you and I need to hear that God doesn't do that. He loves you. And if you know him as your savior, he has committed himself to you. He has applied the atoning work of the second person of the Trinity to your account. He has sealed you and empowered you with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. God is not far off. God has put himself on you, in you, and on your account before him. Go, God. 
John 10, I lay down my life for my sheep. I know my sheep, they are mine. Isn't that cool? I don't feel like God's, okay, that's all right, but know this, he thinks you are his. He knows you are his. Revelation 1.5, he loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to the Father. And then add all of Pastor Cody's sermon series that you may know through 1 John. A divine promise to know, loved ones, God covenants himself to his people. Secondly, a divine directive to be. Out of that, there is a response in the text. There is a call in the text. By the way, I don't have time to go through it, but this text is filled with imperative forms of these words. It's just not like, hey, come. It's come, exclamation point. They're all through this. And in verse six, we have a few more that, that are coming here. And, and there's this divine promise that brings about a divine directive. And God's people are to eat and hear, seek and call upon, forsake and return. And, and we've already seen that, verses one through three. Come, buy and eat. Incline your ear. Come to me. Hear that your soul may, may live. So let's kind of grab a hold of the meal imagery, okay? Uh, those redeemed in Christ are at the table, and it's awesome food within awesome God. And let me illustrate it this way. It's not this meal. It's not this meal in my own little corner with my own, remember that song? What was that from, Cinderella? Yeah. I'm a fully rounded out guy. (laughs) But, but, But it's not this. It's not often just me and God and my own little Thing over here that that's not even doesn't even fit the context. It's come everyone, and it's like everyone who comes is together, and they're at this dining meal together, and they're hanging out in this, and in this, it's knowing all of that, that that God has promised of Himself. God is here at this meal. Okay, we're not in some fellowship hall, and the throne is somewhere else. God's presence is here. The work of Christ is here. The the Spirit of God is here. And he is a part of all this. And there's a directive in this. Because if we're coming to that kind of a meal with with the Father, with the Son, with the Spirit, this isn't the kind of thing where, think about it, we're just so stuck on the food. I'm telling you, man, the food is awesome. And it's just like spot on. In fact, I want your, I mean, you know, this is what's going on here with all this. But in the reality, think about it. Think about it as it is. This is a fantastic rich meal. But really, where's the meal coming from? The meal isn't just the meat and the vegetables and the whatever there is on the table, the milk and the wine on the table kind of thing out of the text. That's not what we're talking about here. The, the, the meal is the fact that God is present. He is the meal that's the whole of it. And so we're at this meal. It's not like, hey, you know, uh, look at, hey, Nick, you know, all this, you, you know, hey, Marlon, and all this, you know, it's not just like us. We are enthralled on the one that is the center of it all. And the meal is him. And he has covenant himself to this meal. And we are partaking in this meal and think about what's going on in your mind. What are you doing? Man, I just want to hear from I'm at this meal and I'm leaning in. Have you ever been to a meal where there's like someone famous at a banquet or something like that and it's just like, I, I just, I just kind of want to lean in and learn a little bit more about them. 
You know, hearing their story of how, how their business developed or their story of athletics or their story of their life and hardship. I just want to lean in and hear. That's what this meal is all about. Look at the text because we have here, we have eat in verses one and two. And this is like gobble it up and verse three, hear it. This is part of what's going on. But also verse six, it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. I don't have a whole lot of time to go into the while he may be found part, but I'm just going to stay on the seek at this point. It's just this, our come everyone who thirsts, come. Come and eat rich food. And it's like we're here. What's the idea? While we're here, we're seeking. Like, I just want to know more about you. Like, can you just lay more of you on me? It's this idea of going after. It's this idea of being the small one in the room. The small one in the room, or the small ones in the room with the big one. And the small ones in the room want to know about the big one in the room. Because the meal's all about the time with him. Come, here. And so while we're there, we're listening and we're also seeking. I just imagine this is where questions are asked. Like, who are you? Like, what's going on? Just that desire to seek. And then in verse 6, call upon him while he is near. It's this idea of seeking and calling. God, I, I just yearn to know. Just show us, okay, for this meal, can you just show us a little bit more of you? Oh, and I got a question. Like, did Adam have a belly button? And God's like, Doug, sit back. No. <laughs> but but uh, these kinds of things, and it's just a time with him calling upon him and hearing and leaning in and seeking him. And then also notice in verse seven, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. And again, I, I'm, I'm kind of pulling this and carrying it through all of scripture from this idea of, of in this whole thing as this meal is going on and we're learning more about God, I'm learning more about my inclination to not be like him. And in that, in that time, as I'm leaning into him, I need to be willing to be one that forsakes. I need to be one who is willing to, if you will, return to. God's people in the Old Testament time and time and time again left him. And here he's calling them, you unfaithful wife, come, come every one of you. Come unto me and hear and also call upon and forsake and return to the Lord. That should just be part of who we are. I want to be mesmerized with who God is. More him, less me. Big God, small me. Eat and hear, seek and call upon forsake and return. Karen and I come back for a field for the next season of time here. Like this. I want us to be a people lean in call upon and seek. That, 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 
that are willing to forsake. I want that in my life, and I want that in us. So I come back with an invitation. I'm jazzed up. I'm re-energized like I haven't been in a long time. And let's lean in with a renewed commitment. More of this, Lord. More of this in us. And I want you to join me. And so I ask, you don't have to answer, but I ask, will you join me? In these coming years to to lean in, to call upon, small us, big him, how about that? More of that? More of that in us. Part of that might be coming out, Pastor Doug, how are we going to do that? Let me just kind of go through this. Where am I looking to go on our times together? Next three Sundays, I'm going to be carrying in our sabbatical theme because I'm still processing and I want to have you join us for a little bit. So next Sunday, we're going to be reflecting in. Following Sunday, we're going to be resting in. And the following Sunday after that, what was the last one? Refueling in. (laughs) And I kind of want to bring you on this journey with me. And we're going to go to Scripture. What does Scripture have to say about reflecting What does the scripture have to say about resting in the Lord? What does the scripture have to say about refueling in the Lord? And we're going to go there together. Then after that, Andy Nacelli, uh, just, I think he's got like 28 PhDs, um, just a really special guy who's been a huge uh, impact on a number of our pastoral staff as they've been going up to Faith Seminary, and he's an adjunct professor there, but he's also a New Testament theology professor at Bethlehem College and Seminary and Minnesota up at Piper's Church, and he's going to be here uh, on Sunday, uh, one of the first Sunday, the 10th or something like that, of December. Then after that, we're going for Christmas, we're going to start in Matthew. We're going to go through the first two chapters for the Christmas season in Matthew, because, uh, uh, oh yeah, Christ was born. And uh, we're going to do that, but I just want for you to know, in 2019, we're going to continue Matthew we're going to carry Matthew on through because I really want us just to kind of all together rehear the gospel story. I want for you to know this. In 19, we're going to plan is to, to go through Matthew and then pick up the latter half of Acts. I taught on the first half of Acts years ago. We're going to pick up the latter. So it's kind of the whole story next year. So wherever you are, you're going to rehear it or hear it anew. And by the way, I'm going to be taking big chunks of text in it. For example, now, I am planning on the Sermon on the Mount. You know how we oftentimes take and it's all broken up with all those little headings? No, 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 that's one Sunday. Three chapters, one Sunday. Why? Because it's a sermon of Christ. And what's he doing? So we're going to be taking some big chunks and getting the whole story of what's going on for 2019 of the gospel. So the gospel and the gospel going. And then 2020, I'm looking actually to slow down and dig down. Um, a series on how we got our Bible. 
I'm just convinced nowadays that so many do not understand how we actually got the Bible that we have. And so they question it and wonder about it, thinking that uh, it kind of came from some very odd things. But, but I want to go through how we got our Bible so we can have confidence in the word of God that we have. I'm looking also in 2020 to do Genesis 1 through 12. That'll be a blast. Going back to the beginning, and man, what, what, a, what an opportunity to talk on a number of things. And then also probably in that year as well, just to hit on some core theology issues, just base core, even like our doctrinal statement kind of a thing in 2020. So that's kind of a dig down. We're going to go 2020, and our eyes are going to be tuned in in deep ways. And then 2021, uh, Lord willing, um, I'm going to pick back up off of First Samuel and where we just finished and kind of got at work in the time of David, and we're going to do that. And so uh, um, that's where I'm looking to go. Join me in it. Join me in it as we go together. So I finish with this. I'm ready. I believe we're ready. I'm ready to increasingly lean myself into the Lord, and I want to encourage and call you to do the same even more so. Whatever leaning, if it's five degree lean, we're going eight. Let's lean into the Lord together with a renewed hunger to eat and to hear and to seek and to call upon and forsake and return. What a wonderful way to kind of commit to that by having a meal together. A meal called the Lord's Supper, Communion. So the communion servers, worship team, you could get in place with that. Let's do that. And we're going to come around this meal. And we're going to savor it. Because you may look and you may go, man, just this little piece of bread cracker thing, this isn't much of a meal. May I remind you of what it represents. We're not going to eat lunch in here. But my goodness, we are going to take in the work of the Lord. God came in the flesh to do for you and I what we could not do for ourselves. And in Mark, he calls himself the Son of Man, again and again using that term. He is the equivalent representative of God in the flesh gone to the cross to do for you and I what we could not do for ourselves. And if you know Christ as your Savior, you have been redeemed. His work has been imputed to your account. The Father does not see you and I as the righteous ones in our place. He sees the Son as the righteous one for our souls. And what we are about to do right now represents that. So I want for today not to be a somber time. I want today to be a celebration time as we do this. Crazy! God stepped in my unworthy place and got the living life pummeled out of him to do for me what I could never do for myself. And we celebrate that.
And we rejoice in that. Because in that, our soul has been given life. So, come. You know Christ is your Savior. When you're ready, you come. Grab the bread, grab the cup, bring it back, and then we'll eat together here in just a minute. So come.